This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 Nation or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV. Make clips and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.tv or check them on Twitter at ClipIt.tv. Hey guys, John Barchard here. You guys know how much I love to play fantasy football, so I need you to listen up because I want you to join the highest rated fantasy football app. It's called Draft. You get to play in a real live snake draft, but be done in under five minutes, and they last just for one week. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join right now for week 13. And the best part is you get to play for cold, hard cash. And get this, your chances of winning are 80% better than on the salary cap sites, on all the DFS sites. Because you're always trying to figure out, okay, where should I start this guy, do the value, and I don't have enough money to do all that stuff. It doesn't happen on draft. You get a selection of every premium player. You just got to be the smartest one in the room. It's a six-player snake draft, so you get in, you get out. Tournaments start from $1 to $1,000 to everything in between. Three-person drafts, six-person drafts, on and on. The options are limitless. And all new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. All you have to use is promo code BGNR. That's right. Play a real money game for free just by using promo code BGNR. And it gets even better. Draft is so sure that you'll love it that they are offering BGN Radio List a money-back guarantee up to $100. No excuses now. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with promo code BGNR. You're listening to BGN Radio. Stars up over the ball. This will be it. Stars back to throw. He takes time. He throws over the middle. It's caught at the 15. Running hard to the 7-yard line. And down on the 7 is Jim Taylor. The game's over. The game's over. The Eagles are the champions of the world. So the Eagles are flying into Seattle. It's going to be a bird fight, and I like our chances. Hello, and welcome to the preview show. I am Vince Quinn, joined as always by Brandon Lee Galton. What's up, BLG? What's going on, Vince? Big game this week. It feels like it's been too long since the Eagles have played a game where it's like, hey, maybe it's going to be competitive. <laughs> Seriously, it it does get to this point. It is this season has been boring for me at times because it's really like okay, San Francisco. Okay, now we're dealing with Chicago. Like these teams that just you go into it, you're thinking like, yeah, I mean, sure, any given Sunday, but the odds are just so so low that it, it's hard to have juice. Uh, the Dallas game it was hard to get a lot of juice. For that game, just because of how imbalanced it's been. But yeah, I'm excited for this Seattle game. It's going to be a fun, at the very least, like even if the Eagles win this one handily, when, and we'll get into to how all that matches up, but at the very least, Seattle's like a good, entertaining, exciting team with a good quarterback. And, and I'm totally with you, BLG. I can't wait to see this matchup on Sunday. And it would be very surprising if it was some kind of blowout. There's a good stat here that I've been using here from uh, Shil Kapadia our friend from The Athletic, the Seahawks have held a lead or been within one score in the fourth quarter in 113 out of their last 115 games. So that's <laughs> that's two games where that didn't 
happened, and both of those were on the road. You look at their home record, and if you're reading any, any of my articles on bleedinggreennation.com, which I hope you are, or if you're listening to me on these podcasts, you'll hear me say that the Seahawks are 42-8 and eight in their last 50 home games. So they're a really good home team, and I know they've lost their last two home games, and I know that the Texans were almost able to beat them, and took they, they took Seattle down to the wire at their home stadium. It's still a really good home team, and you still have Russell Wilson, you still have Pete Carroll, you still have talented players on that defense, even though Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor are out. So it's still a tough matchup. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and you know, let's start with the defense when you're looking at this game because for Seattle, as much as Russell Wilson is the superstar, uh, for whatever, like, he doesn't have that sex appeal in the way that, like, Aaron Rodgers does for some reason. Like, people get that Wilson's good, but they don't. He's not beloved necessarily. Like, it, it always comes down to the defense in Seattle. And they are a very different team. So you don't have Richard Sherman. He's done for the year. You don't have Cam Chancellor. He's done for the year. So... You'd think, like, my first impression when I was going to watch the games was going to be, okay, I'm going to see a Seattle defense that is significantly limited. But I got to tell you, uh, at least so far, the guys that have filled in for those, you know, Chancellor and Sherman, uh, they've done an adequate job. It doesn't feel like they're at least a complete sieve, which I, I think is impressive for Seattle and that kind of next man up mentality. Yeah, I think the coaching there is still so good that they're not going to fall off entirely. And you still have that defensive line. I mean, their defensive line is still good there with Michael Bennett and you have Sheldon Richardson in there and Frank Clark and Jerron Reed. And there's still talent up front there. And Marcus Smith, obviously. I can't imagine him on the Seahawks now. So uh, And Bobby Wagner at linebacker. I mean, that guy, talking about him in a, a piece on Bleeding Green Nation today about which player would you most like to take from the Seahawks if you could take one. I mean, for me, it's Bobby Wagner. That guy is in the defensive player of the year conversation. He's a really good linebacker. He's stopping the run. He can cover. He can do everything in the middle of that defense. So, again, you lose Richard Sherman. It's a, it's a big loss, no doubt. You lose Cam Chancellor, same thing. But it's not like there's just a bunch of scrubs in there. I mean, there's still a lot of talented pieces. And like I said, the coaching is still good. And a lot of what they do is based on their scheme and that cover three they run. So... Uh, they have an identity of what they like to do, and for them, just like the Eagles has it as it's been this season, that next man up mentality, as you said there, Vince, they've been able to do that as well. Yeah, you look at their scores over the last couple of games, and um, you know after that Texans game, so you play Washington, and that was at home. They only give up 17 points to Washington. Uh, they give up 16 points to the Cardinals. They give up 34 to the Falcons, and they were a really hot team. But then San Francisco. They put them down to 13, and the last touchdown was more or less garbage time. So these guys are doing the job on the back end. And for the Eagles, like, I'm looking at the matchup, and and that's the thing. You mentioned the front seven. So those guys are, they're not like, well, how about this? How good do you think the front seven is? Because for me, I looked at them, and I, I expected better. I really, like, I, you see the names and you know the, the damage that they can do. Like, Michael Bennett is a terrifying name on the defensive line, and they move him everywhere. Sheldon Richardson, like, when they made that trade, it was like, holy shit, they just added Sheldon Richardson to that? Like, they're going to be amazing. Um, I've seen those guys, particularly in the, in the front line there, and I thought they've been good, but they're not quite as, as dominant as I expected them to be. Yeah, this is still you know a really talented defense. Um, you look at how they rank in terms of DVOA. They're still a uh, a, a good unit in that sense. They're still they rank um, seventh overall in yards per play allowed. They're still the coaching, as I mentioned earlier, that's still great for them. Um, actually, four point nine yards per play allowed. So you look at the running backs, uh, what they've allowed there, too, and just in terms of the fifth fewest points in fantasy, I mean, they're stopping the run still. It's uh, it's still a unit that inspires fear, I would say, to some extent. Not to, to what it used to, but it's, it's, you know, you're going into Seattle, it's a tough environment. You know it's not going to be a walk in the park when you have to face this defense. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, they still, I'm not taking them lightly, but... I definitely don't fear them as much as I used to because, like, one of the other things that's weird about them, so they're in the middle of the road in terms of sacks. Last I checked, they were 13th, which is fine. Um, 
But, like, they had Dwight Freeney in the equation, and he got a couple of sacks for him in a game recently, and they they let him go. And so it's like they're they're really struggling to get the pass rush in the way that it really, you know, at least doing the simple things of knocking a quarterback off his mark, like forcing him to move around outside of the box, and he's not, or the the pass rush isn't really doing that to this point. It's felt like um, they're good enough that the pocket's moving in a little bit, and so quarterbacks are in that sort of three-second window, but it's not so much that it's like, oh, holy crap, if you don't get rid of the ball in two seconds, you're going to get killed, you know what I mean? Like, Seattle used to have that vibe, and i, and I got to be honest, I wonder if the secondary is a big factor into the pass rush, right? Like the idea of when when you have the Legion of Boom out there and they have the ability to cover all of these guys and shut people down and they're so familiar with the scheme that that comfort that they've all had together, it gives the the defensive line more time to get sacks and, and maybe that's where you'd see it. So it, like maybe this is just a benefit basically of not having the Legion of Boom. They're just not quite as sharp as they used to be. I think that's a fair point. I think we see the effect of what that, that's been with the Eagles in terms of, you know, we talk about, hey, these Eagles cornerbacks aren't as bad as we thought they were going to be heading into the season. Well, yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with this Eagles defense is generating the most pressure in the NFL. It's a really good defensive line up front. It takes pressure off the back end. So I, I definitely think that plays into that for Seattle. You know, at the same time, I think uh, – the way this Eagles offensive line is playing, you're not super concerned about their front that they have, their front seven that they have going there. You, 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 we've seen enough out of this Eagles offensive line to know by now like they're not going to be a sieve in terms of giving up that pressure to Carson Wentz. The big concern, I think, this week will be Big V. Pretty much, you know, he is the the biggest concern of the Eagles offensive line by default, anyway, at this point. So it'll be interesting to see how. Seattle tries to match up some of their pass rushers on him. I, I think they'll certainly look to try to exploit that, just as every team will. Yeah, to Big V's credit, we haven't really had his, heard his name called, which is a good thing. You almost forget, or at least I do, Like you're in that Bears game, and you, you almost forget he's playing because he's been solid to the point where he's not having a disaster kind of game, or at least on a weekly basis by any means. So. When you have this Eagles offensive line playing as well as it is right now, there's no reason to fear really any defensive front. I mean, you feel good about the guys that they have going up front against anyone at this point. So that's definitely something to watch for Sunday and 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 where you don't have to, to fear. The game plan doesn't have to be, oh, we have to get the ball out quick right away ASAP or or we can't run against this defense because they have the guys to move people. And you look at the Carolina game, you look at the Denver game, those were two of the top run defenses in the league, and the Eagles were able to run against those teams. So there's definitely no reason to not try it. Yeah, and Seattle's defense, like they're doing a good job against the run. They're allowing just under four yards a carry. But for the Eagles and the way they've played, you're totally on point. It's like the offensive line has been so good, and they're blowing out people who have been good run defenses. So you look at this equation, you see, you know, Blunt and Ajayi and Clement, and it's all clicking, and, and you think, okay, well, you certainly got to take your shots there. Uh, the thing that I noticed about the running game, specifically with Seattle and that front seven, is like they do a good job of being kind of disruptive when it comes to the running game, but it's it's like what they're really good at is I think they allow average runs, and that's a good run against Seattle. Like They don't allow certain teams. It's like, okay, you're going to take a bunch of shots with them, and if you keep trying, you're going to get 20-yard runs, and you know, uh, even just more casually like 8-yard runs, 9-yard runs. Seattle doesn't really feel like that kind of team that's given up those types of plays. They're really, it's like you're getting the average all the time. It's either that or they're disrupting you in the backfield. So... I respect the ability that they have from that front four to, you know, create some push and give opportunities to their linebackers. And then, yeah, you got to go back to the linebackers because you mentioned uh, Bobby Wagner earlier. And I'm totally with you. Wagner's great. And he just stands out so much. And you just think of where Seattle is uh, in 2017. And it's funny because we always do obsess with guys like 
Sherman and Thomas and Chancellor and, and what they're doing. And now it's been Michael Bennett and Sheldon Richardson. But Bobby Wagner's great. K.J. Wright is great. And th- honestly, they're the best unit on the defense, in my opinion. Yeah, they're they're. I mean, the way this Seattle defense has been constructed. I mean, at its peak, there was this talent everywhere. I mean, and it's, there still is. There's a lot of talent everywhere. There's really no part of that defense where you're like, oh, you know, that's the weak spot right there. And even if they they are weak at a certain spot or it's the weakest area, it's still like not like some kind of below replacement level. I mean, you know, it's not like a bad player. So, uh, you know, that that's one thing that definitely concerns me with this Eagles running game is having Bobby Wagner there. I think back to when you look at the, some of the games the Eagles have had in the past, not necessarily under this regime, uh, even going back to, to Chip Kelly, just some of the games the Eagles would have against the Cowboys and Sean Lee and how much of a difference he would make just stopping plays at the line of scrimmage or allowing you to get a two-yard two gain at most, or even look back to when the, the Panthers and the Eagles played earlier this season and the Eagles had to go up against Luke Keekley and they weren't having a ton of success until he got hurt in that game, or at least they had more success after he got hurt. So that's definitely a big concern for me in terms of his presence there and what Bobby Wagner is able to do. Uh, so that's that's something. I think that's one of the biggest matchups to watch, really. Yeah, and I I think I saw this in the article. Bobby Wagner at this point, he's what second in the league in tackles, right? I'm not totally sure on that, but I I'm pretty sure he's up there. Yeah, he's in that he's in that conversation. Like he's he's really just all over the place playing exceptional balls at middle linebacker, and like strategically then because you're looking at you know we've talked a lot about the different levels of the defense now. I'm thinking of okay for the Eagles, what's your game plan? going into this one, and for me, I think that you run to the outside. Uh, when it comes to this running game, they are very good in the middle. They're not giving up the big plays. And so for the Eagles, if you want to get the you know 70-yard Jay Ajayi runs, I think you got to take it outside. Like They're just so stout, so disciplined in the middle that you're not going to be able to break those big runs. Even with the aggressive style they play, Like I don't know if you noticed this, um, I couldn't help but see that they had times where it would be like first or second down and they would have legitimately nine or ten people like right on the line of scrimmage just waiting to get on the ball. And so for me, it's like I, I look at that that kind of aggression and you'd think, okay, well, they can beat this uh, and people don't and, and they shut it all down. So it's like, okay, they've got that locked up. I'm going to respect it. I'm going to the outside, I'm challenging the corners, and specifically, and I think this is, maybe it's just partially selfish, I want to run at Byron Maxwell. I want to run at Byron Maxwell all day, every day, every single snap, and I just want to I just want to destroy Byron Maxwell in every way possible, and I, I really think it's one of the Eagles' best chances to win this week. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone in Philadelphia will be against your plan of wanting to destroy Byron Maxwell. I think, <laughs> I think, I think everyone will be on board with that. Um, but I do think it is the area to attack, not only in the running game, but the passing game as well. And again, that's not something you're usually able to say against the Seattle defense. Oh, yeah, we're just going to throw at their corners. That'll go well. But you look at Byron Maxwell being there. And the reality is they picked him off the streets a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that was a guy who wasn't highly uh, desired at this point. He has some experience in that scheme, but the Eagles should look to attack him. And then Jeremy Lane, too, on the other side. Jeremy Lane's not having a good season. I mean, Seattle, they, they were fine with getting rid of him as basically a throw-in in that Dwayne Brown trade before he failed his physical, and then he didn't end up going down there. I mean, he is not having a good season uh, so I, I do think you're going to be able to attack these guys on the outside. This is a this is a game where the Eagles really need Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey to step up out there. They really haven't had to do that a lot this season because they've been able to work the middle of the field with Zach Ertz and with Nelson Aguilar and everything that the Eagles have going in there. But I, I do think this is a game where you're going to have to attack the perimeter, and that provides a new challenge for Carson Wentz because – I think Carson likes to work the middle of the field well, and he, he does it at a, at a very good rate and with good efficiency. But you know, if there's a, a concern with Carson Wentz, it could be some of his deep ball passing. It could be some of his accuracy on passes 
that go towards the sideline there in tighter spaces like that. So that kind of provides an interesting challenge for the Eagles this week. Yeah, and teams are taking those deep shots. Like This really surprised me. In the San Francisco game last week, I'm seeing C.J. Beathard back there and he's slinging it down the field. And, it, you know, it really wasn't even that the receivers were burning the corners. He was making just really good throws, but they were able to win the one-on-one matchups. And these are guys like Marquise Goodwin, who are totally okay wide receivers, but they're like threes at best. And they were making plays on Seattle. So when you're looking at the Eagles matchups and you see the kind of talent that we have uh, with the offensive side of the ball versus the corners, like... Uh, Shaq Griffin, Shaquille Griffin, he was a third-round pick this year for Seattle. He was one of the guys who was supposed to start. Um, He's questionable. So, yeah, Lane is a backup. Maxwell's a backup and signed off the street. So this isn't like the dominated, you know, the depth, I guess, the main issue here. The depth of the secondary is just so incredibly questionable, and it's got to be tested. And, like, I'm, I'm totally with you. Carson, I think that... This could be this could be the game where he really shines. Like his best game to me this season uh, was the Carolina game, just because of all the all the hits that he was taking and some of the tough plays that he made to keep the team going. And he hasn't had that game where it's like Carson Wentz throws it forty five times and single handedly beats another team. You know what I mean? Like it's it's always these complete team efforts. And so I want to see Carson this week, like. Spread the field. Let's get five wide. Let's put pressure on that really thin secondary that they have and throw that ball all over the field and, and force those guys on the perimeter to get the job done. And, and you know what? Also, like, the get some of those linebackers off the field. Get K.J. right off the field for a couple of downs because it's just like that matchup isn't as good as getting your fifth string, which is really like your seventh string Seattle corner, you know? That's a really good point there, Vince. It could be a week to do that and get some Mac, more Mac Collins involved here, get some more wide receiver action going. Uh, I, I think this is a game that you were talking about it just a few seconds ago there. If there's going to be these com- contested passes like there were in the, the Seahawks 49ers game, I mean, it has to be a game where Alshon Jeffrey has to step up and maybe make some of those crucial catches, a, a jump ball here and there. Uh, that's something we've seen him do this season a little with that touchdown he had in the 49ers game, and he's been heating up recently. So we're seeing some good production out of Alshon, some better production that we saw earlier in the season, but it would be great to see him keep that going against a team like this. And again, I agree with you when it comes to Carson Wentz having a big game in a moment like this. I think you look back to Seattle last year, and, and there were some disappointing moments. There were some rookie moments there. Uh, I, I remember, though, coming out of that game, Pete Carroll was praising Carson Wentz like really effusively. He was like, the, the things this kid was doing with his eyes and the way he was able to move defenses and, and just have that kind of elite understanding at such a young age. I remember Pete Carroll being really, really impressed with Carson after that game. And it wasn't just fluff either. Like This was like a genuine thing that happened. I think it wasn't even like a post-game interview. It was, it was something where he was on a radio show and he was talking about it. He really loved Carson Wentz and he, in, in his conference call today at uh, the Eagles facility, he said the same thing. You know, he, he really loves Carson Wentz, so I think this is a good spot for Carson. I remember thinking back to, or being there last year and thinking about this game when the schedule came out this year and kind of, I think I convinced myself in a way where I was like, all right, they lost last year. They're going to go back in this year, and they're going to win this thing. They're going to show that this is a different team and that they're advanced. And that was before the Eagles got to 10-1. and one. So there's definitely a lot more confidence for me now. And and you look at where this game opened up, and I, I can't believe that this is the reality now where the Eagles are going into Seattle. The line opened as the Eagles as five-and-a-half-point favorites. I mean, that hasn't happened since 2012. Wow. And that's, yeah, this is Seattle. Like, this is a team that has a strong track record for multiple years now. You've got an MVP guy in Russell Wilson playing quarterback. And to just, yeah, like, the last I checked on the line uh, was minus six. And we'll, we'll certainly discuss that later. But, yeah, to see that they're just getting the respect that that's where you're starting out, really, is being favored 
by about a touchdown on the road. It's it's really incredible and speaks to what this team has become because Seattle again they're a good team like they're they're playing good football. They're seven and four like they're and it's crazy because I think if the playoffs started today they're not even in. So like the depth of the NFC is just wild. But uh, yeah, Seattle a good team, well respectable team, and the Eagles here like to be favored by this much. Uh, you got to be excited for it, and for me, it puts pressure on Wentz. It really does. Uh, this is a game where I think I think the running game is going to be fine, but really, if this is a game where Wentz should pick the opponent apart, and if he doesn't, I'll be pretty disappointed. And that's that's good to see too. A situation where there has to be more pressure on him to step up because that's going to happen in the playoffs. You know, if this team is if this Eagles team is going to make playoff run there's going to be probably at least one game if not multiple where the quarterback is going to have to overcome some other things that aren't going uh as ideally as planned like the running game not being there or maybe the defense suddenly has a a bad day that's when you need the quarterback to step up and this is the perfect chance for Carson Wentz to do it again it'll be on a Sunday night football primetime slot everyone will get to see uh, I think it's a, it is a pressure situation for Carson, and I think one of the things we've seen out of the him so far is that he's never looked to he's never looked not ready for the moment. The pressure has never looked too big for him. You've never been like, oh man, Carson Wentz just you know really just succumbing to the pressure here. I mean that's not something we've seen with him. So it'll be another good test for him, another good test for this team. As I said at the top of the show, it's just. It's been boring, honestly, like you said there, Vince. I mean, we were going into the Bears game, and you knew they were going to win, or at least you, you felt pretty pretty confident about it. And at that point, once they win, it's kind of just like, all right, they won. Now it's on to the next one, whereas John Barchard likes to say, next. So uh, I can't wait for this game. And it's funny, too, because for as important as, as this game is for the playoff race in terms of trying to really secure that one seed, and make sure the Eagles do get a first-round bye, the Eagles might have the division clinched before the game is even played on Sunday night. Wow. It's so crazy to be to just like it's week 13, and we're talking about the division being clinched. I, I gotta be honest, before the season started, I was like, man, I think the Giants are gonna win the division this year. <laughs> and you look at the division now, it's like and and wow, everything that's going on with the Giants, too. What a what a shit show they are. Um, but yeah, man, looking at this game, it's nice to have a really good, strong, solid game uh, to be in and a part of because for Seattle, this game really does matter. As much as we talked before about like Washington, the game matters for them. It's a division game and prime time and all that stuff. Like Seattle's not in the playoffs right now. They're a team that they're dealing with a lot of injuries, and being at home, they've got to max out these home games because usually they're strong there, and they, they haven't been. So if... If you lose this one, it really hurts for Seattle. And uh, offensively, I just don't know how they're going to compete. That's the biggest issue here. I'm looking at, first off, like Carson Wentz, uh, he's been known now for the Houdini stuff, right? Like when uh, the play in Washington where Merrill's like, well, I I thought he was tackled, you know, with my terrible (laughs) Merrill impression. And uh, he had the play just last week where he does that awesome spin move to get out to the right side of the the field and and throws the ball. Like, those kinds of things are amazing, and we've remembered them from Wentz. The number of times that Russell Wilson has had to do something like that to keep a play alive for Seattle, I mean, it's, it's insane. He's doing it like... I swear to God, at least 20 times a game, he's had to do some sort of move in the pocket, run somewhere, um, or or just take the ball on his own and keep it. Like the, the pressure that Russell Wilson's dealing with every single play, every single game is just, it's almost unprecedented how well he's handling all of it. And for the Eagles, like as much as the line sucks, and we can really dig into that, but... Wilson, you got to say, like, Wilson is such a legitimate playmaker and a really scary threat in this game. Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny. It's always people are like, oh, the, the Seahawks offensive line isn't any good. And it's not. It's not a good offensive line. They rank 24th in pass blocking efficiency by pro football focus. You look at how all their offensive line men rank in terms of PFF's grades, 
and they're not good. And you look at you know how they they rank by Football Outsiders even. 28th in run blocking, 18th in adjusted sack rate. It's not a good offensive line, but it almost doesn't matter sometimes because Russell Wilson can do crazy things. I don't know if you were watching uh, the Cardinals game, Vince, but he had a crazy, crazy scramble in that game <laughs> yeah. where he just took off running and he just chucks it up. And I think it was Doug Baldwin, who is a big weapon on that Seattle offense, uh, who who actually threw a touchdown against the Eagles last year, who made the play. So... Uh, the thing that Jim Schwartz talked about with Russell Wilson this week is just not that he's mobile. Because you look at Dak Prescott, he's mobile. You look at Cam Newton, he's mobile. The Eagles have faced mobile quarterbacks this year. But I think Russell Wilson is really the best out of them, or at least he provides such a unique challenge. Because as Jim Schwartz said, he's able to run backwards. Not all quarterbacks with mobility can just run straight back like Russell Wilson can. And really just creates so many problems for the defense. It's not just about always extending the play uh, and making the big play. Even just if he can run backwards far enough where he can also kind of roll out a little bit and throw the ball out of bounds, that's an incompletion instead of a sack. Like He can do that to you, and he can kind of just limit the pressure that you're able to get on him. So he's a really interesting matchup for this Eagles team because this Eagles team has been able to stop the run and make teams one-dimensional and force them to pass a lot. Well, Seattle's not particularly awesome at running the ball. It's not their the bread and butter of what they do now, unlike it used to be with Marshawn Lynch. They're, they're more of a passing team now because the offensive line isn't awesome and because uh, the, the talent at running back hasn't been there. Chris Carson is hurt. They've had a ton of injuries. Eddie Lacy hasn't been effective. So they've had to pass the ball, and Russell Wilson has been able to do it. He's a really good player. Yeah, he, he's got that escapability. He's so composed when he does it. He's a guy that just never gets rattled, and, and it makes him terrifying late in games. And obviously, you gave out that number earlier. What was it, 115 games and 113? They've been one score. Uh, yes. Yeah, like, so they're always in it. It's crazy. And that is Wilson. Like He is so ridiculously good and dangerous late in the games. And on top of that, He's their leading rusher. He's he's their leading rusher by almost 200 yards. It's just, it's unbelievable how good this guy is. And yeah, when you look at the weapons around him, like, I really feel for Russell Wilson because uh, the one guy they do have is Doug Baldwin, and I, I love Doug Baldwin to pieces. He's one of my favorite people to watch in the entire league. But outside of that, like, they don't really have much at the wide receiver position. Uh, at the running back position, they're rotating different guys and they're pulling people off of practice squads and whatever. Like they, they don't have any sort of consistency in that regard. They have no sort of quality on the offensive line. And just for them to make anything happen, um, you remember, like, you ever see Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Have. Do you remember when he makes breakfast in the morning and it's like this crazy Rube Goldberg machine, like a hundred yeah, different yeah, things yeah. are going? Like that's what it takes for Seattle to score a touchdown, like every single drive. It's just so ridiculous the kind of like bending over backwards they have to do to get it done. But uh, they're able to do it, and so you have to respect it, as odd as that is. So, like, I don't know. I mean, okay, outside of Russell Wilson, who's obviously the main thing that you got to target on, like. You're Jim Schwartz, BLG. What are you doing here? I think <laughs> I don't know. I think it's Russell Wilson. I think like that's the thing. I, and it's it's a it's a situation where you kind of outlined it perfectly there. Like their wide receivers aren't overly threatening. I mean, they're not bad. They're not like straight up bad wide receivers, but they're not like it's not Odell Beckham exactly that you're facing here. Again, Doug Baldwin's really good. I'm actually interested to see how that matchup goes there with Doug Baldwin. And Patrick Robinson going up against the slot. I think that could be a really good battle, kind of underrated battle between those guys there. Um, I think it's it's interesting when Jim Schwartz is talking about how you def- or how he's facing a quarterback who just runs straight back because this isn't your average week again. Like what I said earlier, where you want to force the Seahawks to pass a lot and you kind of just get after the passer, you kind of tee off on him. That's not the situation here. You almost have to be careful about how you rush Russell Wilson because you can't just rush him carelessly and all of a sudden create running lanes. You can't totally just spy him and give him all the time in the world to pick you apart because he can do that as well. I mean, with guys like Baldwin and Jimmy Graham who can work the middle of the field there, and you can't just 
give him all the time in the world. So it's a unique challenge. I, I don't I don't really know. I don't know the answer. I I, I kind of wanted to ask Jim Schwartz, um, you know, like how would you defend that? He's not going to tell me, of course. Like that's giving away <laughs> the game plan, so that's that's useless. But I do think it's uh, an interesting challenge for the Eagles this week, going up against a quarterback like Russ. Um, he does. It's not like he's this unguardable player. I mean, he clearly has his bad games, but overall, he, he there seems to be a lot more positive than negative with him. And I wish I had the answer to that. I don't have a good sense of what they necessarily should do against him. Yeah, like I feel like you got to spy Russ and do that pretty consistently. And outside of that, uh, you can basically just play defense. I mean, you see what the front four has been for the Eagles this year. And so with all those guys rotating in and being productive, I think you just rush four. You try to do all the damage you can with those four. If Russ knows he's spied, he's going to be a little less likely to run. And one of the big things that I've noticed, too, uh, with the Seahawks is on the few occasions where the line actually does its job and Wilson has time to make a pass down the field, one, all of his passes are down the field. They don't really do much of the, like, dinking and dunking, quick slants. Like, that's not their game plan. So when you're throwing the ball down the field so much, there's a lot of times where he gets three seconds, and then he just keeps looking and looking and looking, and the guys aren't getting open. So uh, the secondary really has a chance to do that, and they haven't faced competition on the level of the Eagles' defensive line. So I feel like they're going to be able to quash that stuff enough when it comes to, you know, just the regular, like, drive-in, drive-out situations. But the one thing that does worry me in this one, uh, Jimmy Graham. I really didn't think that I would say that, but man, you look at the numbers and you watch the last couple of games that Jimmy Graham has uh, has had with Seattle, and uh, I don't know about you, BLG, but I think he's still a really impressive weapon at this point. It's kind of funny, too, because it kind of just felt like Jimmy Graham disappeared, right? Like, like he was this amazing unstoppable player with the saints and that offense. And then he went to Seattle and everyone was like, Oh man, the Seahawks are going to be even more unstoppable now when they made that trade. And he hasn't been that guy. Like, he hasn't been that unstoppable force that I think he, he once was, or at least seemed to be. Um, but certainly still a threat, I think, especially down there in the red zone, someone you have to account for Eagles linebackers aren't exactly, I mean, you know, Nigel Bradham having a good season, Michael Hendricks as well, but with Joe Walker now getting hurt, who was already filling in for Jordan Hicks, that's a concern with this defense. I think it could be a game where they might have to put Daniel Ellerby in there, and and that'll be interesting to see how that goes for the first time. He's been a healthy scratch for the, for the first two games, the first two weeks he's been there since the Eagles signed him, but uh, that's definitely something to watch as well. Um Again, not the not to me. He's not that guy he used to be. So you you almost forget about him. But that could make him maybe a little more dangerous than you would think, too. Yeah, you look at the numbers, and he's the third third leading wide receiver on the team. He's got forty nine catches, four hundred forty seven yards, eight touchdowns, and it's it's the kind of stuff you expect from like classic Jimmy Graham in that way. He's just like it's in the red zone. They split him out wide. You're going to have him lined up one-on-one with a cornerback, most likely, and you just throw the ball up. And he's just bigger than people because he's, what, 6'6", he can jump a little bit. And it's really hard to stop. And so when they get in those situations, I'm I'm just curious. Like, Nigel Bradham's done a good job with dealing with tight ends and things, but when you're when you're dealing with a guy like Jimmy Graham and the elusiveness that comes from Russell Wilson, too, it is a really deadly matchup. And I don't know what the red zone numbers are, but... It's definitely something that you you just have to respect in this game. And yeah, again, Jimmy Graham, like I thought he was left for dead. And I, I literally, I got to be honest, I, as I was watching the games, I had a tweet. I was ready to go. I was all proud of myself. I'm like, oh man, remember when Jimmy Graham was good and I was about to hit send? And I was like, wait, I should look at his numbers this year. And I was like, oh shit, okay, don't send that tweet. <laughs> You're going to look like an idiot. But uh, yeah, so that's one thing to look out for. And the other one, we, so we talked about Doug Baldwin for a second. And with Doug Baldwin, he's he's such an interesting guy because he's not the biggest wide receiver. He's not the fastest wide receiver. You know, he's not Tyreek Hill. But when you look at what he's doing on the field and what kind of value he gives for uh, for Russell Wilson in this offense, like just when you get down to it, Doug Baldwin's a really good player. Yeah, he can make con- contested catches too. I mean, he's a really tough player, really good player. 
uh, in terms of run blocking. He, he gives you pretty much everything. And, and like I joked about earlier, he threw a touchdown pass against the Eagles last year. So he can do it all, quite literally. Um, going up against Patrick Robinson, the Eagles might be better equipped to cover him in the past, having a, a really good slot cornerback all of a sudden. And then just the secondary as a whole suddenly playing well with with Mills there if, if they're going to put Baldwin on the outside at any point and, and Ronald Darby as well. So that's kind of an interesting matchup from this perspective. Again, I said the, earlier that the Seahawks receivers, they're not awesome by any means. They're not, I don't think they're bad, but they're not exceptional with the, with the exception of Baldwin, who is their best one. I think it'll be interesting to see how this – Eagles secondary performs against one of the more challenging receiving cores they've faced, at least lately. I mean, you, Dar- Darby came back for the Dallas game, and we thought there were going to be some tests there with Des Bryant and then Cole Beasley in the slot, but, you know, there really weren't. The, you didn't, they didn't get majorly tested. Des was the only test, and Ronald Darby did a really good job covering him anytime that was happening. They were throwing those short passes to Des, and, and he was making the tackle immediately. Now there'll be a little more of a test uh, with, a, with a much better quarterback, too, this time around. So I'm, I'm kind of – I want to see how the, the secondary continues to fare against some of these better passers because, you know, again, we talked about the secondary playing well. And the defensive line has contributed to that. Now, you know, going back to the question you asked me earlier, now that I'm thinking about it more, this this might be a game where you're going to have to try to get those coverage sacks where you're, you're buying time for your defensive linemen instead of this being a situation with the Eagles where it's usually a spot where the defensive line is taking pressure off the secondary. This might have to be a game where the secondary really stays close to their guys downfield and stays uh, you know, they keep their integrity and coverage and give that defensive line and the linebackers more time to get after Wilson. Yeah, because it's going to be a lot of opportunities in the passing game because they can't run the ball. Uh, you look at the running back situation, and it's just so desperate and sad. Uh, Eddie Lacy, who has a fat clause in his contract and never figured it out. Uh, Chris Carson was a guy that was doing it for a little while as an undrafted player. He's gone. Procise is injured. They're starting a guy now, Mike Davis, is going to be the starter this week, I think. And he's a guy that, you know, fourth-round pick. He's been with the team for a little while, but he's nobody remarkable. Uh, J.D. McKissick, nobody remarkable. Like, in fact, I think McKissick's kind of bad. So you look at this (laughs) running back situation, and they're just so unimpressive that it really is. This is a one-sided game for Seattle. Like, they just, they're going to have to pass, 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 and Wilson throws maybe, you know, 42 times a game, something like that. So the kind of stress uh, that it's going to be on that that offensive line for the Seahawks and for the same way on the secondary because they're going to be passing so much, it is going to be interesting to see how that relationship works out and who ends up winning the game. And uh, And by the way, we'll tell you who's going to win the game and how much in a minute because we're going to the picks. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell and play some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. And the picks are brought to you by the Sportsbook at Delaware Park. It's where you can wager and watch all of the pro football games on Sunday. Go to DelawarePark.com for more details. Delaware Park is a lottery agent for the Delaware Lottery. Must be 21 to play. And BLG, our first pick is what would be today a playoff game. The Atlanta Falcons at home are giving three points to the Minnesota Vikings. How do you feel? Oh, man. I keep... I keep telling myself that I need to pick the team that needs to lose the game so that at least if I get the the pick wrong it'll be a good thing for the Eagles <laughs> in that sense <laughs> I like that so I'm gonna take the Vikings here with the points they've been playing well I know Atlanta has played well too and they're at home and, uh, and a, a Falcons win would be great for the Eagles in terms of taking pressure off Philly for that first round for that number one overall seed they kind of need the the vikings lose to give them a little more breathing room and also make it possible so that the eagles don't have to be playing their starters in week 17 to make sure they wrap that up so i'm gonna go against with with you know i'm gonna take the team that i want them to lose but i'm gonna take them to win this case so i'm gonna take the points with the vikings 
Alright, yeah, for me, I look at Atlanta and I, I don't know. I, I wanted to dismiss them earlier in the year and just be like, yeah, you know, Shanahan's gone and that changed everything and they suck. But, man, uh, some of the games they're playing recently, you see the stat lines that Julio Jones is producing. And it's really... How can you ignore a guy going over, what, like 235 yards or 250 yards, whatever he's doing? It's it's mo just monstrous stuff. And so I'm starting to buy in. And Atlanta, at this point, being hot, it's going to be a lot of pressure on Minnesota to keep up. And I don't know, like, as good as their secondary is, I don't know how they'll do against Julio. And so I'm going with Atlanta in that one, but it's going to be a hell of a game to watch regardless. Um, next game we got... Denver, this is slop fest, by the way, absolute slop fest. Denver, giving one and a half points on the road in Miami. You excited for that one first off? No. <laughs> no? Surprising. All right, so, yeah, what do you think? Uh, D Denver minus one and a half points. Denver's favorite in Miami? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's so depressing for... <laughs> I, it should be illegal for one of these teams to win this game because honestly, those teams are terrible. The, the Broncos are what on the longest losing streak outside of the Browns, and Miami. If you look at in terms of metrics and point differential, and you look at DVOA, Miami is the worst team in the league. It's it's somehow it's a miracle that they have four wins this season. I don't know how they got those four wins. So, somehow they beat the Falcons, which is very bizarre. But man. I, I hate this. I hate this game. It feels like we're always picking one of these awful games, and it's, it makes me miserable. Um, <laughs> man, I guess I'm going to take the, the Dolphins because the, I just I, I don't trust the, the Broncos quarterback situation more, but, I mean, I don't feel good about that at all. No, there's not much to feel good about. Uh, I just wanted to, It's just such an ugly game. I couldn't help myself. I was like, yeah, I'm going to talk about this one, baby. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Denver... I still believe in the defense, even though they lost again uh, to Oakland. And Miami's been a train wreck, so maybe this is the game where they turn it around. It, it's surprising that they are favored because, I mean, as bad as they are and Miami's been bad, like, wow, being favored on the road is impressive for this team. But you know what? I'm going to ride with it. I think Denver's going to get the win there, and uh, they finally end the streak. Now, the all-important game that everyone's been waiting for, the Philadelphia Eagles on the road in Seattle, giving six points. BLG, your thoughts? That's just nuts. It really is. Again, we we talked about those stats earlier about how the Seahawks are in it till every game until the end, and how the Seahawks are forty-two and eight at home, and they're just so good there. And somehow the Eagles are favored by six points. I mean, the Eagles have been killing teams, so I get it. It that should be. It's not that I don't trust the Eagles at all. It's just that I don't think Seattle's getting enough respect there. Uh, so I do think I'm going to take the Eagles to win this game. But six points, again, in Seattle is a lot to ask them to cover. I think this is like a, a uh, I'm going to say, 27 to 24 game. It's going to be close. Ooh, you know, I looked at the line at first and I thought, wow, they're favored by that much on the road. And it was... I think it was more surprising due to history than actual fact. Uh, I, I look at this game, and I feel like it should be maybe nine. Um, wow. Yeah, I just uh, – Seattle's a, been a good team, and, and this is a decent matchup, but they're such a mess, and they ask so much of Wilson, and I think the, that it's all going to bite him in the ass in this game. Basically, they're not well coached. They, they expose Wilson too much. I think the Eagles will be able to capitalize on that, do it in a big way, and get a monster win. I mean, what a huge win this would be to just sweep Seattle off their feet at home. Uh, I, I think they do it. I, I'm trying to guess what the final score would be in my head in this equation, but I guess I'm going to say it'll be something like 30-17. Uh, to 17. It was thirty to twenty. Like it, it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty solid win for the birds. That's my opinion on it. So that'll be the situation where it's one hundred and thirteen out of their one hundred and sixteen last games. Then, damn right. Hey, this is a generational team, BLG. I mean, what the Eagles have going right now is just so remarkable. And uh, as much as we're going to argue about something in the fourth quarter with Carson Wentz, and uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you will get that treat. I think he's overrated. Ta-da. Um, we're going to argue about that, but this team is so exceptional and great that 
I really do have the expectation that, that this game is going to be uh, not as much of a fight as we think it's made out to be. Well, I hope you're right. And I have a question for you, Vince. Do okay. you think the Eagles clinch the division when the Cowboys in Washington play on Thursday night football? So if you're listening to this, it's probably tonight, unless you have somehow listened to this after Thursday. That is a shame for you. Do you think Washington wins, and do you think the Eagles therefore clinch the division? Ooh, you know, I don't know how Washington wins any game. Like they beat the Giants, right? They they beat the Giants last week. Yes. So because otherwise, well, Eli, yep. yeah, because Eli wouldn't get benched. Um, yeah, I can't see how Washington wins another game. I really, I just don't buy. It. They got nothing left. Like they, the only good, they have two good players left. They have, uh, they have Cousins and they have Josh Doxson. And Doxson hasn't even become like a great player at this point. He's just good. Uh, so. Yeah, I man, Dallas is going to win that game, I think, unfortunately. But, hey, the Eagles are going to handle their business, and I don't think it's a conversation for long. So, All right, well, Dak sucks, so they're going to lose. Yeah, that's right. Screw you, Dak. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so that is it for the preview show. Again, uh, if you want to check out the fourth quarter, we're going to be doing that in just a minute here. Uh, it's going to be me and B- BLG arguing over the fact that, yeah, I think Carson Wentz is a little overrated right now. I got no problem saying that. So make sure you check us on Patreon.com. Look for BGN Radio. You can find that show there. If you want to find us, I'm on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. Again, I am Vince Quinn. Appreciate you being here through the show. And, of course, I'm joined by the wonderful, the magnificent, the marvelous, Brandon Lee Gouton, and you can find him at Brandon Gouton. So make sure to give us a follow or tweet us about the show. We're here. Happy to talk to you. On behalf of BGN Radio, let's go birds, baby. Stretch your hand and I'ma chop it off. I dare you ask for a favor from your boss's boss. Shrimp, scampi, angel head noodles, white wine sauce. Rwanda and Ross, reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green Dinero. Hocus Pocus, Gucci Lopez, cake with bacon soda. Cake for soldiers moving weight from Maine to Nova Scotia. Bang revolvers, problem solvers, that and pain the mothers. Lost a child, clips from play when they hear Belial. Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleep dead. You either sheep or shit, be scared and cut to pieces. I lust for custom coops with the honey mustard features. Butterfly doors, a whore that makes wine or sober. Her beauty stunning, plus she funny, that's the proper order. Head nods and cat calls cuz it's pops in order. Yeah, I'm stuntin' all the world is my stage show. Dallas streets cruising around about 4 a.m. Just that fly shit type you never seen again. No meats, no leather, I'm just pimping a pen. We live that life that you're wishing against. More money, more power, more women and shit. It's me and now So Seattle might have the 12th man, but we're going for 12 wins, baby. Is that right? Is week 13, or am I ahead of the curve on that? <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I just like went off the top of my head. Is that right, PLG? You're ahead of it, Vince. It's, yeah, 12. Uh, it's 11. 10 and 1. <laughs> yeah, I'm too antsy. All right, let me just, <laughs> let me just restart. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know. That sounds good. I think it's right. Fuck it. Um, it, was, it was a good concept. It just didn't work out. Yeah, I gave it a try.